Welcome, welcome, welcome on this beloved Shabbat. And again, I say Shabbat Shalom to the Mishpukah and Shabbat Shalom to the other nations who are believing and keeping the Torah as well. Welcome to the Science of the Covenant podcast. And I am your host, Boyce Washington. And on the other side of me, a pastor, Richard Washington. We hope you enjoy our weekly podcast as we study Yah's Torah, his statutes, his commandments and other principles in scripture. So if you have your Bibles ready, your notebook, your computer, your tablet, whatever you need to do this study, we ask that you get it. If you don't have it, put it on pause, go get it and come back so you can follow along with us as we begin our study. So, Pastor, what are we going to be talking about today? Okay, what we will be dealing with today would be the what I call the spirit's support or the spiritual support. And our first text that we want to go to will be found in the book of Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, we want to go to the 40th chapter, Exodus chapter 40. And the verse that we want to concentrate on is verse number 11. And here it reads in the 40th chapter of Exodus, and look at that verse number 11, it says, And thou shalt anoint the labor at his foot, and sanctify it. Now, in this text, it is pointed out that the labor's foot was anointed by the anointing oil. That was a mixture of sweet spices and olive oil. In this part of our study, we will concern ourselves with what we refer to as the Spirit's support, the Spirit's support. And we want to be able to look at that in the light of the other discussions that we have had concerning uh, the labor. Now, once <clears throat> our water baptism takes place, we are not only given support for being cleansed from sin, but we are also given spiritual support by our Savior. And in this part of our discourse, let us discuss how the spiritual support is operative in our life. We will cover this section in three parts. The first, we'll concern ourselves with the spiritual substance. And secondly, we'll concern ourselves with the spiritual symbols. And lastly, we'll deal with the spiritual significance so let us keep in mind that as we pursue these three facets of our study, that all three of them concern themselves with spiritual support. Let us deal with the spiritual support of what we refer to as the spiritual substance. So here we find in Exodus chapter 40, verse 11, we find this. Uh, we find some of the spiritual substance. In our text, we are giving the substance which make up spiritual things. We are concerned that we are concerned with. In this text, some of the substance are pointed out by implication. We have the labor and his foot that was anointed. So in other words, when you look at a labor, you may liken it to a bathtub and a bathtub have a support on the bottom of it to hold it up because, you know, a laver 
was a type of apparatus that was held up by what we call its foot, and we call it a kin, and this foot held up the laver, and the laver contained water, okay? Now, the foot of the laver was anointed just like the laver itself. So now let us turn to uh, let us turn to Exodus 30. And in Exodus 30, we're going to look at verse number 18. Exodus 30 and verse 18 says, it said, Thou shalt also make a labor of brass and, and his foot also of brass to wash withal, and thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and thou shalt put water therein. Okay, in this text, we are told that the laver and his foot were made out of brass. Now, when we look in the same 30th chapter of Exodus, and we look at chapter, we look at verses, that is, the Exodus 30, and we're looking at verses 22 and tw through 25, which says, Moreover, Jehovah spake unto Moses, saying, Take thou unto thee the principal spices of pure myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet cinnamon, half so much, even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and of cassia, 500 shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary and of oil olive and hen and thou shalt make it an anointing oil of holy ointment and ointment compounded or compound after the art of apothecary and it shall be an holy anointing so here in these passages of scriptures, we are given the composition of the anointing oil at its application to the brass laver and its foot. Now, from these passages, let us list all of the spiritual substance we are dealing with as it relates to the laver's foot and his accessories. We have the following, substance as they are related to the laver's foot. So when we look, break it down, what we have is the laver's foot of brass, the laver's foot of water, and the laver's foot with the ointment on it. When it comes to the laver's foot, we are dealing with basically with three substances, which are brass, water, and ointment. Now that we know what substances we are of or dealing with, let us see what they symbolize. So now this takes us into our second uh, scenario. This, the first one was the substances. We've looked at the substance. Now we want to go into the spiritual symbols. In this section, we want to list each substance and what they symbolize us. Some of the substances will symbolize more than one thing. Therefore, we would list them one after the other. Then there are certain things which contain more than one 
substance, which will also be broken down in our, in their various components, and what they symbolize us. Now let us now list each component and what they symbolize. We will first decipher each substance and then define them as they relate to the labor foot. Now, the substance symbols. Okay, let's look at the substance symbols. Okay, when we look at the labor, what does the labor symbolize? Now, as we have studied, the labor symbolizes at least three things. It symbolizes the womb, wedding, and the tomb. Okay, that's what the labor represents. If we look at the labor just by itself, it represents the womb, the wedding, and the tomb. All right, now what the foot? The foot, uh, what is the foot? The foot is a support. So the foot basically is a support, okay? That's what the foot is. Now the brass that the foot is made out of, brass represents suffering. So therefore, we're, if we go back to the uh, foot being a support, and it's made out of brass, we are dealing with a suffering foot. Okay, now water, what does water represent? Well, water represents, first of all, that when they went to the labor, the priests were to wash their feet, and they were to wash their body. So the water represents washing. The water also represents a wedding. It represents a marriage. It represents a, the word of Elohim. So water has three applications, just like the the, uh, the 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 labor has a womb, the wedding, and the tomb, and now we see it has the uh, it represents washing the word and a wedding. Now the ointment, what is the ointment? The ointment, the ointment is the anointing. So when we think about the ointment, it was used for the anointing. Then we come to the spices that was mixed with a hand of olive uh, of olive oil. And the spices, what do they represent? Well, they represent the sweet character of Yeshua, our Messiah. Okay? So when the Holy Spirit came upon Yeshua and anointed him, they were anointing his sweet life as the Messiah. As we pointed out, the word Messiah means the anointed one. And he was the sweet character that Elohim anointed. Now, what about the olive oil? Well, the olive oil is a symbol of Ye Yahuwah. Holy Spirit. That's what the olive oil represents. It represents the spirit of Yah. So when we deal with these symbols, we are dealing with the things that's going to bring about our sanctification. We are dealing with the things that are going to be supported by uh, uh, the, 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 the foot and those feet which are Yeshua, the sweet character that he has, his Suffering feet will support uh, all of these things that we have articulated. Now let us observe these symbols as they relate to the significance. Now we're dealing with the significance. So we dealt with the uh, the spiritual uh, substance. We dealt with the spiritual symbols. Now we're dealing with the spiritual significance. We want to know what is the significance of all of these things. 
when we observe the anointing of the laborer's foot, there are there there there's one basic purpose of which it serves, and that purpose is to support the labor and its water. So when we look at the foot of the labor, we are pointing out that its basic purpose is for support. That's what it's for, support. Let us go into the significance of what it means to support something. First and foremost, we must be able to point out just what it is that the labor's foot that has been anointed supports. What does it support? We will do this by examining each particular thing of the laborer's involvement to the foot. Our first concern would be the labor itself. So let's look at the support of the labor. We will refer to this support as the support of the labor, okay? The support of the labor. All right, so the support of the labor is its foot. The labor foot symbolizes an associations, and those associations are what? The labor supports, it supports the womb, it supports the tomb, it supports the stones. Okay, so when we look at the labor's foot, it supports the symbolism of the labor and the symbolisms of the labor are the womb, the stones, and the tomb. That's what it supports. So when we look at that, 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 that labor's foot, we know that it's supporting the labor, but the labor is representative of the womb, the stone, and the tomb. Okay, the labor foot of brass. What is the labor's foot of brass? The, okay. The womb supports the living suffering. And generally, when, a, generally when a, 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 there's a baby to be born, as it says in the book of Genesis, that the woman, when she bare, it would be with sorrow. So whenever a woman has a baby, it's generally a lot of pain and suffering to deliver the baby. So when we look at the labor foot, of brass, which is of the feet of brass, which represents suffering. It supports the womb that supports the living suffering in order to give birth. It also supports the stone pots to support marriage suffering. As we looked at the wedding in Cana, it would have been an embarrassing thing if they had run out of wine. So he took the wine and he made it into a grape juice so they would have the wine. And it also represents the tomb supports the dead suffering or the dead sufferer. So when we look at the brazen foot, it supports all of these things. Now the labor foot of water. Now let's look at the labor's foot of water. The womb supports of the uh, of the water would mean also that the water of the womb represents the word. The labor foot of water represents the word. Water represents the word. And the Bible has told us that 
We are cleansed by the water of the word. It sanctifies us. So when we got the word of Elohim, we got the water. So we should drink plenty of water every day when we get up, which means that we drink in the scriptures. We read his word. That's the drinking of the water. And too many folk are in Elohim's church who are dehydrated. They don't drink enough water. We must drink the waters of the scriptures in order to be supported. So the, so the womb supports of the word. The stone pots support of the word. The tomb support of the word. So we see that the labor that represents the womb, the tomb, and the stone, they have the water in them, and the water is the word. When Yeshua was born, he was born out of Mary's belly that had water. When the stone water pots, when the stone pots that they put water in at the wedding, it was a word that Yeshua spoke that turned the water into wine. We need the word. It was a tomb that support of the word. Yeshua was put in the tomb, but he was the word, and they could not hold the word in the tomb, even though they put it in the tomb, because he was the word. Okay, now let us look at the labor foot anointing. Let us look at the labor foot anointing. Now the womb supports the sweet character of the Messiah because we, we said that the ointment was made out of the precious spices and the precious spices represents the sweet life of Yeshua. And so when we look at the labor foot that was anointed, then we are looking at the foot of Yeshua that was anointed. And those feet are holding up and supporting the tomb, the stones, and also what we call the tomb. So it supports the womb, the tomb, and the stones. So the womb supports the sweet character of Messiah because his feet were anointed, and his feet are the support, so they support the sweet anointing. Uh, the womb, the wound, the the brazen feet that suffered also supports the stone pots. Support the sweet character of the Messiah. So whenever a person is married, and when we are married, it is supported by the sweet character of the Messiah. And when we die, the stone supports the sweet character of the Messiah in our life. This is what the anointing is about. Now, the labor foot spices, the labor foot spices. So when we consider that the labor's foot was, uh, had spices on it, the womb was supported of the sweet character of Yeshua. When his, when his feet was in Mary's wounds, it was those sweet feet that had been anointed by the Holy Spirit coming upon her womb that Yeshua feet would be anointed in her womb. Now the stone pots support the sweet character of Yeshua being anointed and to being able to bring the joy and the prosperity to the wedding. The tomb support of the sweet character of Yeshua was anointed. As we see Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus bringing the sweet spices to anoint his body because of the sweet life. Now, the labor foot of olive oil, 
okay? The labor foot of olive oil, okay? The womb supported by the spirit of the heavenly father. So when we look at the womb again, we see that the moon moved upon Mary's uh, pregnancy in order to sanctify her womb for the sanctified Messiah that would be in her womb. And then the womb, and then the, uh, uh, when we look at the, 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 the wedding, what do we see? We see his earthly bride, okay? And the stone pots supported the spirit of the bridegroom. So it was the bridegroom bestowing his spirit in a marriage relationship upon his woman, which is the church. So we see in both the womb and the stone water pots how the spirit works with his church because he said, I'm married to you. He is the bridegroom and the church is his bride. And then we see that the tomb was supported. Uh, it's also supported the tomb. So when we look at the tomb was supported by the spirit of the Holy Spirit. And how was that? Just before Yeshua went to uh, his grave and before he was crucified, Mary anointed his feet. And when she anointed his feet, the disciples was disputing how did she take all of this costly perfume and to put on his feet. This money, this perfume could have been sold for much more and could be able to feed the poor. And we know that Judas was making these remarks because he was the treasurer of the group. And as they were bickering about the cost of the perfume that Mary was putting on his feet, Yeshua spoke up and said that she has anointed me for my burial. And that anointing was that the Holy Spirit through Mary was showing us symbolically that Yeshua's feet was being anointed because he was the sweet character that had been endorsed from heaven at his baptism. He was anointed from the Father, and on earth he was anointed by the woman, and the woman represents the church. So the church anointed him, which is pointing out that the Holy Spirit was upon his sweet life. What we want to see is that the anointed foot held up the labor and its water, which means that it was the feet of Yeshua, our Messiah, which was anointed by Mary, Mary, when Mary anointed him. And at the labor of the Jordan River, where Yeshua was baptized, he was anointed by his father, and the Holy Spirit came down upon him, says the Bible, in the form of a dove. Now, the labor and its water represent basically three ceremonies. Already we have, we have seen that the labor water represents baptism of Yeshua. And in Jordan and in and 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 the and the labor that is talking about in antitype will be the Jordan River. So just what are the three ceremonies 
that baptism of Yeshua's anointing and support represent. So we want to see, see these three ceremonies, that baptism of the anointing of Yeshua's feet support. As we pursue the support of the labor, how will we know what the anointed foot is upholding? How will we know that? We will come into an understanding of what it upholds by what the labor stands for. So what is it that the labor stands for? Thus far, we discover that the labor is representative of the following. A labor is a place of washing in type for the priest. The place of washing in the antitypical is the baptism of Yeshua in the Jordan River, washing himself as the high priest as he washed his body or was baptized into the waters of Jordan. The water in the labor of the Jordan River is for the baptism of Yeshua in antitype. So when we see the priests washing themselves, it was a type of the antitypical fulfillment of Yeshua when he was baptized in the Jordan River. Consequently, what we have is support of the anointed foot of the laver. Baptism supports the following ceremonies. So whenever a person is baptized, there, there are some at least three ceremonies that we want to look at when you talk about baptism. And the way that we'll do it, we'll look at the ceremony, and then we'll look at the place, and then we'll look at the function, and then we'll look at the content of these ceremonies. Now, the first ceremony that we have is that of nativity. When someone is born, nativity. Okay, where did the nativity take place? It took place in the womb of Mary. And what was the function? The function was birth. And what was the content? In Mary's womb was the water and the blood. Now, the water represents the word, and the blood represents the life. So when we look at the ceremony of baptism in nativity, we are looking at the pure blood and the pure word and the pure life and the pure water of Yeshua. So in his womb, you had the water and the blood, and it represents the word and the life. All right, the second thing that these foot, uh, the foot was upholding was the wedding. And the wedding was the ceremony. The stone pots was the place that he put what was needed in order to make the wedding what it ought to be. And the function was a marriage. So the wedding, the stone pots, and the marriage. So what was in the stone water pots? Well, Yeshua told them to take the water and fill all six of the water pots, the stone water pots, he said to fill them up to the brim. And they filled it up. And when they filled it up to the wa with water, then he changed the water into wine. He changed it into wine. And the word, and, and water represents the word, and wine represents joy and prosperity. 
So in the wedding, he was bringing the word, and the word was changed to wine, which brings joy and prosperity. So whenever we follow the word, it's going to bring to us joy and prosperity. And the third ceremony was a funeral. So we looked at nativity, a wedding, and now a funeral. Now, where is the place of a funeral? A funeral takes place with the tomb where the person is put. And what is the function of the tomb? Well, that's death. That's where you place the dead body, death. What was in the tomb? Well, Yeshua told us what was in the tomb when he was with his disciples on Passover and he was about to die. He said, I want you to take this bread and I want you to eat it because this bread represents my body. And then he said, I want you to take the fruit of the vine and I want you to drink it because this grape juice represents my blood. So what was in the tomb was the body of Yeshua and his blood, but it was symbolized by the bread and the grape juice, the bread being his body and the grape juice being his blood. So we know that Yeshua was in the tomb. So what we are observing is that the anointed feet of Yeshua, our Messiah, upholds us by his spirit. When he was anointed, he gave also us the anointing at baptism so that we can be upheld by his Holy Spirit. So what we are observing is that the anointed feet of our Messiah upholds us by his spirit, by our baptism, or by our baptismal birth in him by the bestowal of the Holy Spirit. He upholds us by our marriage relationship to him in happiness and prosperity through the Holy Spirit. By our dying with him, by partaking of his body, by partaking of his body and blood, which is symbolized by the bread and the grape juice, the Holy Spirit upholds our dying in Yeshua, the Messiah. So what we have seen basically here is that when we get baptized, we are born again in him. When we get baptized, we are married to him. And then when we get baptized, when we die, we die in him. Now that we have seen how the laborer's foot is associated to Yeshua's birth, marriage, and death, in our next discourse, we will deal particularly with the laborer's foot. So we will close at that just, just a position. Eternal Father, we thank you for the baptism that you have shown to us, that it merges us with our birth, the new birth that he talked to Nicodemus about. It merges us in our marriage to Yeshua as the bride, and that is to accompany him when he comes back to get her, to take us back with him. And it also helps us, O oh, Heavenly Father, that when we die, just as Yeshua was put in the tomb and came forth, that when we die and having the bread and the grape juice, respectively of his body and his blood, that we also will be able to share in the eternal realities in which he has promised. In Yeshua's name, we do ask it. And for his dear sake, we do ask, we do pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Amen.
So, uh, now I have a question. Um, does the baptismal, um, resemble some parts of the labor? Well, 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 the labor itself, the top part that was held about a foot, mm-hmm. that is the part uh, that I was expressing that is the baptism. Oh, okay. That's the, see, the labor, the labor in type uh, uh, is where the water was. Mm-hmm. So that was a place that they washed. But when we look at it in the antitypical fulfillment, what I was trying to bring out was that the laver represents the Jordan River where Yeshua was baptized. Okay. So when he was baptized in the Jordan, the, the place was the Jordan River, just like the laver back uh, uh, was symbolized there. But then mm-hmm. when he was baptized in the water, then that was the baptism itself when he went down into the water and came up. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, now you were saying that the laver, laver represents the womb, the wedding, and the tomb. Mm-hmm. The water represents the washing, the wedding, and the marriage. Mm-hmm. The ointment represents the anointing. Mm-hmm. The spices represent the sweet character of Yahusha. Mm-hmm. And the olive oil represents the spirit of Yah. Mm-hmm. All right, now, very good. Now, um, it's interesting that the lever and the water also represents the wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And uh, and can you expound on that a little bit more in the tying in the two and the as it represents to the wedding, the labor, and the water? Okay, yeah, sure. I'm glad you brought that out. Uh, let's turn to Ephesians five. Uh, Ephesians, and in Ephesians chapter five, and we want to look at. Uh, uh, let me see. Let's see. We want to look at verse uh, 25. Okay. Okay. Here it says, Husband, love your wives, even as the Messiah also loved the church. In other words, uh, his relationship to his church is as a bride. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. And it said he gave himself for it. That in verse 26, it said that they that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Mm. So when we are married to him, mm-hmm. now when he died on the cross, because he says when he uh, gave himself, when did he give himself? He gave himself on the cross. Okay, and if you notice that when he was on the cross, one of the gospel writers says, when they stuck a spear in his side, what happened? Out came blood and water. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what we're looking at is the water it's the blood that cleanses us into the water that washes away and sanctifies us from all sin. So when we look at the washing of the water of the word, mm-hmm. then when we look at the labor, the labor in type was a washing away of the impurities. But in antitypical fulfillment, the word as the water is washing away our sinful life in order to sanctify us to be the bride that he wants us to be. So when he comes back, then we won't have any sin and we would have what they call the white linen, which is the righteousness of Yeshua, the Messiah. I think that's great. And I think that's where we will transition to our next segment. Up next is let's talk about that. 
So today I want to talk about the weather and scripture. Because if you notice, as of recently, especially this year, there's been quite a few things that has been going on with our weather. And so I kind of wanted to discuss a little bit of that. So if you have your Bibles, uh, if you can turn with me to Luke, the 21st chapter, and we are going to read verse 10 through 12. That's Luke the 21st chapter, verse 10 through 12. And it reads, Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilences. And fearful sights and great signs shall be there from heaven. But before all these, they shall lay their hands upon you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons and being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Now, also, I want to read something from the Pseudepigrapha, I believe, if I'm pronouncing it right. I might have butchered it a little bit. But it's from the Apocalypse of Abraham, and it kind of uh, ties in somewhat into... Luke 21. So in the Apocalypse of Abraham, I'm going to start with uh, verse 2, and it reads, And he said to me, I will explain you the things you desired in your heart, for you have sought to know the ten plagues which I have prepared against the heathen. And I prepared them beforehand in the passing of the twelve hours on earth. Hear what I tell you, it will be thus. First, the sorrow from much need. The second, fiery conflagrations for the cities. The third, destruction by pestilence among the cattle. The fourth, famine of the world of their generation. The fifth, among rulers, destruction by earthquake and by the sword. The sixth, increase in hail and snow. The seventh, wild beast will be their grave. The eighth, pestilence and hunger will change their destruction. The ninth, execution by the sword and flight but in distress. The tenth, thunder, voices, and destroying earthquakes. Now, if you notice, I don't know if you notice, with the area that I'm currently living in, in the United States, this year I have heard a lot more thundering than usual. I've seen a lot more harsh lightning strikes because I recall the time when me and my dad, we was going somewhere and we saw these thick back clouds and we saw how much uh, the lightning strikes, which they, to me, they seem kind of fierce. And not only that, we have seen the endless amount of fires as of late, not just in California, but also up the coast of the West Coast of the United States. Also in Canada, they've been having fires. And as of recently in Colorado, they have been saying that this one river is going dry. It's almost to the point it's no water in it. It's almost deserted. And the thing is, are these things that's coming, are part of prophecy that is being foretold that is going to happen in all. And also, I want to stress, too, earthquakes. We just had an earthquake in Haiti that killed quite a few people. And then the flooding that has happening in Europe, that has been unheard of. 
So we have to start to ask our question, are we possibly living in the last days? Are some of these the plagues that maybe y'all are executing? Yeah, as we look at that, uh, as you pointed out in Luke, uh, matter of fact, when you look at Luke, uh, Mark, and Matthews, uh, all three of them articulated about, uh, as it were, that there'll be earthquakes uh, in diverse places. Mm-hmm. But what I want to turn to before we get into that is, I want to turn in the in the Sefer Bible. I want to look at uh, Baruch, okay, chapter twenty-seven. And in Baruch chapter twenty-seven, we want to look at verses uh, six and seven. Now, the background of this chapter is that Baruch is talking to Adonai, Yahuwah, concerning the last days, if you get the background of this. Okay. Okay. Now, when you get to, when you look at the chapter 27, mm-hmm. uh, Elohim, Yahuwah, is giving to Baruch uh, what's going to be in the last days. Mm-hmm. And... Notice what it says here. I'm going to start with verse 1. And he says, And he answered and said unto me, Into twelve parts is that time divided. In other words, he is saying the last days is divided into twelve uh, times, okay? It said, And each one of them is reserved for that which is appointed it. Okay? He said each one is a reserved for that which is appointed it. Now, I don't want to read all of them, but I do want to read the part dealing with the famines and and, uh, and weather and all of that. Now, if you notice that he says it's going to be 12 parts, he says in Baruch chapter 27 and verse 6, he says, and in the fifth part, now notice it's 12 parts, but he said the fifth part, there will be famine and the withholding of rain. Okay, so okay. we we know that crops are not going to get the rain that that they should get. And then notice what it says in in verse seven. It says, and in the sixth part, earthquakes and terrors. Okay, now doesn't that seems like it fit to the text that we just read in Luke? Yeah, yeah, it it seems like it. Mm-hmm. And this was about Ruth talking this way back then before Luke had even started to write about the earthquakes, because Luke understood it from Yeshua, but before Yeshua came on the action, he had inspired his prophets to write this already, so when he came and gave it to Luke, Matthews, Mark, and all of them, and John, then he had already predicted that these things would be. All right, now let us turn to... Uh, let us turn to Matthew chapter 24. Okay, Matthew chapter 24. And we just want to look at briefly some, some other uh, scenarios concerning this. Okay, we want to look at the 24th chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter 24. Okay, now, in the 24th chapter of Matthew, let us notice uh, from verse 6 through 7 it says, and ye shall hear wars and rumors of wars. Ye shall see, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Well, we live in an end time, but he said the end is not yet. Okay. He said, for nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be what? Famines, okay? Mm-hmm. There should be 
pestilence, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places. Now, what did it mean by diverse places? That means in different places. And as we have looked at the news, on the television, on the internet, and as we see the news, what are we seeing? We are seeing earthquakes. We are seeing floods. We are seeing places all over the, all over the, uh, the earth that are being taken by these pestilence and famines and earthquakes. Mm-hmm. It's not just something happening just occasionally in California. No, it's happening all over the world. That's a sign that things are wrapping up. Now, what I want you to also notice in the book of Revelation, okay. let's go to the book of Revelation that John uh, had, and that's Revelation chapter chapter 6. Okay, Revelation chapter 6, and see what John says uh, concerning uh, these last days events, because we know if anybody speaks about the last days and what's happening, it's a book of Revelation that John was revealed to on the hour that is called Patmos. And here it speaks about, in Revelation 6, 12, notice what it says. He said, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. So in other words, John is saying here, under the sixth seal. Now, the importance of the sixth seal is that it is just before the seventh seal. Okay. Okay. So if it's just before the seventh seal, he is saying that one of the things that's going to highlight his second coming is that we're going to see these earthquakes and mm-hmm. as we see him more rapidly, it reminds us that he's coming soon. Okay. Now, keep that thought in mind. This was the sixth seal. Now let us turn to Revelation 8. In Revelation 8, and we look at verse 1. Notice what it says. And when he had opened the seventh seal. Now, I just told you that he was open the sixth seal. And now, when the earthquakes come, He's getting ready to open the seventh seal. Now, what's so important about the seventh seal is that usually when the seventh seal is open, then our Yeshua is on his way to come back the second time. That's, wow. that's what makes it important. Mm-hmm. So we are living between the sixth and the seventh seal. Now, notice what verse 5 says. And verse 5 of Revelation 8 says, And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth, and there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and earthquakes. And the seven angels which had the seven shofars prepared them to sound. So in other words, there's going to be a great earthquake even before he comes. Mm. So we have to look at that and be able to understand it. Okay. Now, let us turn to Revelation 16 and verse 18. Okay. Revelation 16, 18 says... He said, and there were voices of thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake such as not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. In other words, we haven't seen an earthquake yet, okay? Mm. In the days of Noah, they hadn't seen rain, but when it rained, it devastated the whole planet. We, we talking about an earthquake. He says, 
the earthquake that is coming upon this this planet Earth has not been an earthquake like this since man inhabited the Earth. Wow. That's what he's telling us. Okay. So what are we to learn from the weather and the earthquakes and the famines and the pestilence? What are we to learn? Here's, here's what Yeshua said. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let us turn to Matthew chapter 16. This is what we are to learn from that. Okay, we want to go back to Matthew, and we want to close with that. Uh, Matthew chapter 16. Okay. okay, Matthew chapter 16, and we want to look at a few verses in the 16th chapter of Matthew. Okay, now, in Matthew chapter 16, we want to concern ourselves with verses 2 and 3. Okay. Uh, well, let's back up a little bit. And the Pharisees also, with the uh, uh, Sadiq, uh, the Pharisees also with the scribes or Sadiq, uh, Saduk came and tempted him and, and, and tempted and desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Now, what, what I want you to notice verses two and three now. He answered and said unto them, when it is evening, ye say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. Uh. In other words, whenever in the evening you see that the sky is, is, is red, uh-huh. he said, you, he know, in Jerusalem, he said, you know it's going to be fair weather. Uh. And then he goes on to say, and in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. So what he is saying to them, you know, the same sky that is red in the evening, but if it's red in the morning, you know, it's going to be foul weather. Wow. He said, you know that. And then he says, oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can not discern the signs of the time. So what Yeshua mm-hmm. is basically telling us, don't just sit up here and know that you got all of these signs and you're seeing the earthquakes and the pestilence. Don't just read it in the paper, see it on television, and then get it on the internet and all, all of this and on the computer and the iPad and all of that. He said, that's not enough. But understand what you are looking at uh-huh. is basically that you can discern the weather, but you better be able to discern that the weather that you're looking at is telling you what time it is, and it's almost time for him to return. Wow. Uh, now, where does the... Okay, well, let's just say this. Um, as far as judgment goes, do you think judgment has been done, finished? Uh, that Yah has finished his judgment or he's almost close to the end of it? Uh, I, I would think that he's close to the end, but mm-hmm. we, uh, we may touch on this on the Day of Atonement that is coming up in September. But the but okay. question is, is germane. Has he finished the judgment? Well, uh, if we look in the book of Revelation, and if we look in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 14, uh-huh. it gives us an idea. So let's just turn that briefly. Revelation 14. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and when we look at Revelation 14, I think it's uh, verse 6 and 7. Okay. okay. Revelation 14, 6 and 7 says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. And verse seven says, saying with a loud voice, fear Elohim and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him that made the heavens 
and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Now, when you read verse 7, it is saying the hour of his judgment has come, uh -huh. okay? Now, we know according to the scriptures that when we look at uh, the seventh verse of Revelation 14, there are at least uh, two festival days in there. One is the weekly Sabbath because it said, Fear him that uh, made the sea and the fountains of waters. Uh -huh. we, we see that. That's the Sabbath. Anybody can read that and know that's the Sabbath. Yeah. But it also says uh, in, this, in, in, this, in, the, in the seventh verse, it says uh, here in 14.7, it says, saying with a loud voice, for the hour of his judgment has come. Okay, and then a lot of people don't know that that hour of judgment that he's talking about is another festival day, which is the Day of Atonement. Mm. And so the Day of Atonement is mm -hmm. equated with the Day of a Judgment because usually on the Day of Atonement, you try to look and see if all of your sins are forgiven. And so it was a type of judgment on your life. So when he talked about the hour of judgment, he's talking about the Feast wow. of Atonement. When all of our sins, we got to make sure that they are forgiven. So... If he's saying this in the book of Revelation, that the hour of judgment has come, and we now are living in 2021, mm -hmm. he's been doing a judgment a long time. So he's about to wind this thing up. We, I don't know when he's going to do it, because the Bible says not even Yeshua or the angels or anybody know he's coming a second time. But what he has given us, we can read the signs, know that it is coming, even though we don't know the exact day and, day and the hour. Mm -hmm. But yes, he, he, he probably started with Adam and he's probably through judging the dead mm -hmm. and he's probably on the names of the living today. Wow. And if he's on the names of the living, all he got to do, as Daniel says, that when he stands up, then the judgment is over. Wow. And when he stands up, he ain't got to do no more judgment. You know why? Mm -hmm. because all he ain't need to do is to see what you're doing when he stand up. Are you sinning or are you trying to sanctify your life? Wow. And it's going to be all over. So I, I would think that we are very close to the judgment. I mean, the judgment is very close to being completed. And you said uh, around the day of atonement, you're going to be speaking more on tying in the day of atonement with judgment. Mm, yeah. We will be looking at some, some of the, from the, uh, segments of how judgment and atonement coincide okay so mm -hmm. all our listeners if you want to hear more about how a pastor would tie in the atonement with judgment it's coming it's in september so subscribe keep listening to us because we're going to have that for you in a couple of weeks on this when we celebrate the day of atonement you know but yeah I, I do believe all these signs that we are seeing all these weather uh uh, phenomenon that people are saying all oh, is due to climate change is because these people are studying scripture to know that it's not climate change. These are things to be foretold to show us what time, like you said, is coming or or is at hand as we know of. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. So, Pastor, can you take us to the throne in prayer as we get ready to close out this edition? Okay, our loving Father, again, we're so thankful that we can just probe into your word and to let it speak to our hearts and to be able to rejoice and to know for a certainty, O oh, Heavenly Father, that the events that are taking place upon this planet are the events that you foretold so that we can be able to understand. For you told the 
in from the beginning in the book of Genesis, you told us that the celestial bodies in the heavens, O Heavenly Father, would declare not only your glory, but they would be for signs to be able to show us the things that you are about to do and help us to take heed to those signs. So as we do that, we ask that the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, may help us as we continue to study your word and to be engrossed within it, that it may change our lives, that it may be sanctified, that when Yeshua does come, in the midst of all of the turmoil and the things that are going on, that we will be extricated, we will be taken from this world with thee. Now bless us, bless those, O Heavenly Father, who are sick and shed in. Bless those, O Heavenly Father, who lack the necessary means, O Heavenly Father, to live a decent life. Bless those, O Heavenly Father, who suffer the loss of loved ones and relatives. And as we look to you, you can give us the comforter of the Holy Spirit to be able to give us the graces, to be able to bear what we have to endure and to be able to give us healing out of the sicknesses that we have and to be able to give us the means of support to be able to take care of our families and our loved ones. Now, Father, as we look forward to a new week, we ask that you would grace our presence and to do for us that which is needed. And if it be your will, and we believe it is, that you would bring us back again next week that we can further study in your word. These and other blessings we ask in the name of Yeshua. Now may Yehoah bless us and keep us. May he cause his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May he lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace, peace in our hearts, peace in our homes, and peace in the humanity. In Yeshua's name we do ask it. And for his dear sake we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. We also, too, make sure we say hallelujah, because anytime we say hallelujah, we get praises to our king. So make sure we try and say it. I know I try to say it every single day, if not several times a day. Hallelujah. 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 I am Boyce Washington, and on the other side of me is Pastor Richard Washington, and we are the Science of the Covenant. That is our podcast for this week. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. May Yahuwah bless you and keep you. Until next week, Shalom. <laughs>